We're going to keep talking. Um, we've been walking through uh, since Easter talking about our core values. And so we spent three weeks talking about a passion for Jesus. And then we're spending three weeks, and this is the third week, talking about knowledge of the scriptures. And so these are our, these are our hopes for each other. These are our hopes that, that, that if there's beliefs or there's values that we're founded on and grounded on, that these are them. Right, and so, um, and so we've we've kind of been uh, uh, talking about Second Timothy chapter three verses sixteen and seventeen, and that's where I want to launch from tonight, um, because we've been using this to guide as we've been talking about the Bible, and so Paul's talking to Timothy, kind of giving some final instructions, so to speak, and he says, "All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof." for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so two weeks ago, we talked about how the scriptures, all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, that the Bible is useful in our lives, right? And we asked ourselves, what is our relationship with the Bible? How do we view the Bible in our lives? And then last week, we talked about uh, that it's useful for reproof and correction, right? That there's convictions in Scripture. And we talked about some of those convictions and how the Bible is used and sharp, it's living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword in our lives. We're going to talk a little bit more about that tonight. And then this week, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And that's where we want to go tonight, the training in righteousness. Now, I got to ask, and I know there's at least one in here. There's, there's at least one in here, but are there any runners in the room? Any runners you like to run? You enjoy? Okay, there's two. Awesome. And there's some, I knew Zan was. I knew Zan was. Zan and I have been running uh, before, um, a, a while ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do it, but, it, but would I be willing to put in, be put in the category of runner, right? There's a distinction there. I get that. Okay, I get that. Um, so we couldn't just sit here and say, hey, tomorrow morning, take the morning off of work. We're going to meet up, or actually even better, before work, we're going to meet at Gorham High School at 6 a.m., and we're going to run a half marathon to get our Monday started, to get our week started, right? Who's joining me? Anybody? No, right? And the reality is, that it takes months to train for a half marathon. I have a goal. Uh, I've run like five or six half marathons, and I have a goal to do a sub-two-hour half marathon. It's 13.1 miles. Closest I've gotten is two hours and 12 seconds on my second half marathon. I was 13 seconds away from never having to run a half marathon again, right? So frustrating, right? And uh, one second per mile. Um, but... Uh, but uh, I have a goal to do that, not, not in the near future at all, but <laughs> not running whatsoever right now, but, um, but I, I have a goal to do that, right? But that, that's going to take a commitment. It's going to take, so, take a time where I decide for something, right? And then I train for it. And there's different types of training, right? There's training before you start a job, right? Uh, one, of, one of my first jobs was at CVS Pharmacy and uh, the videos I had to watch to Whew, man, you want to talk about nap time. Um, but they were important. They were valuable, okay? They were valuable. Um, but then there's on-the-job training, right? There's like, 
there, there's these things that you have to learn on the job, and, and people, you know, sh- you shadow uh, folks and all these different things, right? And then there's like training for afterwards if you want further certifications or uh, if you want to add different tools to your tool belt, right? There's future trainings, but we can't just go out and run a half marathon. We wouldn't just go out today and decide, hey, let's go hike Mount Washington real quick before it gets dark, right? We couldn't just do that, right? Um, especially with snow on the top of Washington right now, the equipment that we would need, many of, many of us probably don't even have that, right? And so we can't do that, but, but, but what we notice here is that there's an end goal, right? There's an end goal. Hiking a mountain, right? There's a, there's a, there's a peak there. There's a summit there. Running a half marathon. There's a finish line, right? And, there, and, and, and some of us may even have goal times to finish that Within, when we start on a venture like that, there's typically a finish line or an end result or an end goal that we're pointing to. The issue I think comes when, the issue I think we have when it comes to scripture, when it comes to the Bible, is that what are we doing this for? Is that we're is that we we hear the Bible's important, we probably buy into that fact, we appreciate that we can come to a church that preaches the Bible, and so we're going to hear the message, right? And we're going to hear the Word of God, right? But this whole making the Bible a part of my everyday life thing, what's the point of that? I'll get to that, right? Like I've heard some people say, I'll get to that when I'm retired and I've got tons of time. It's interesting to me that every retired person I know is more busy than some of the working people I know, right? But but, but the point is, right, we're not just going to get to it if we don't value it. And so my goal tonight is for us to see from Scripture the end goal that God has for you from His Word and the reasons that we should value His Word to get to that end goal. He says, for training in righteousness, that we would be equipped and ready, complete for every good work. That's the end goal. John describes it as this. There were many other signs and wonders that were done that were not written in this book, but these are written that you may have eternal life, right? That, that eternal life is found in these scriptures. James chapter 1, starting in verse 1, or verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. See, God's heart for you all throughout Scripture, and I could keep going and going and going all throughout Scripture, and we're even going to look at a couple more places tonight, is God's heart for you is completeness. God's heart for you is to accomplish some things, this side of heaven, right? And yet so many of us have, us, have this approach to church or this approach to the Scriptures that we've just punched our ticket. Now we're going to live however we want to, We're going to live however we want to because our eternity is set. We booked the trip, right? And so now now we're just going to go over here. We're going to live however we want to until, you know, until God calls us home. And that's not the point. We miss out on so much of the goodness of God by not engaging with the Scriptures. And so... What does it mean to train in righteousness? Our thesis statement for tonight is, kind of goes like this. Training in righteousness is to equip for good work the servants of God. It's to equip for good work the servants of God. 
So we are the servants of God, right? If you're a believer in Christ, you're beloved, you're son, you're daughter of God, right? We, we, are the, we are the good servants of God. And so the training in righteousness that Paul's telling Timothy about is the equipping for every good work, for every good work. Now, we've got to recognize and, and understand, and hopefully you get this by now, we're not going to accomplish complete completeness. How's that for a phrase? Right? We're not going to accomplish full completeness, full equipness, this side of heaven. But what God's heart for you is, is that you are complete and equipped for everything that He's placed in front of you. For everything that He's placed in front of you. And that can come in seasons, right? I mean, if you think about it this way, I'm so thankful that God didn't call me to pastor a church in Maine right out of college. I'm so thankful for the four and a half years I had to go down to North Carolina and serve as an associate pastor and learn as many things as I could down there before he called me up here to Maine to pastor a church. If I would have come and, and pastored or gone anywhere and pastored a church right out of college, whew, probably not here. I'm probably bagging groceries somewhere, right? Or another example, let's take the merger for example. If South Coast and South Gorham would have tried to do what God placed in front of us to do nine years ago, we wouldn't have been ready. We wouldn't have been ready. South Coast wouldn't have, we wouldn't have seen the, the value in each other. We wouldn't have seen the need for each other. And South Coast had to go through some things to, to ready ourselves to be complete and equipped for what God was placing in front of us. And South Gorham had to do the same thing. That there were some things that, had, that, that, that both churches had to walk through, right, to prepare ourselves for the merger, and then eventually this coastal wave that happened, right? But, but there's, but, but there's uh, um, to equip for good work the servants of God. And so that's an ongoing process. That's an ongoing process to equip for, the, for good work the servants of God. The other thing we've got to do is there's, there's going to be some things that we talk about tonight, good work. Um, um, as God tells Joshua, we're going to look in that, at that in a few minutes. Good success. We've got to think about what we talked about last week. We've got to redefine our good with God's good. Okay? Because a lot of times we think good, and we think good in, in our context, in our realm. So we think more money, raise, you know, perfect relationships, all of these different things. And that may not be God's good in your life. Okay? And so we've got we've to temper that a little bit. But training in righteousness, Paul says to, to Timothy, is to equip for good work the servants of God. To equip for good work the servants of God. One other thing I want to deal with before we go a little bit deeper into this verse Verse uh, 17, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I want to deal with that phrase, man of God, okay? I want to deal with that phrase, man of God, because you can read that, you can read that, and a couple of things may stir in you, right? Like, oh man, Paul's a jerk, he left the women out, right? Or like, oh man, man of God, complete, equipped for every good work. Well, what's my job? What's my role, Okay. The better question to ask and the better translation here is this. Who desires to serve God? That one that desires to serve God, man, woman, child, student, right? 
that whoever decides to serve God, desires to serve God, excuse me, would be complete, equipped for every good work. So ladies, you're not off the hook. Okay, ladies, you're not left out. Okay, it's, 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 um, it's there. It's for the person that desires to serve God, that the one who would desire to serve God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now let's talk about two things from these verses. The scriptures are profitable, right? They're profitable. They're profitable for what's right, for training in righteousness, what's not right, for correction, how to get right, for instruction, how to stay right. And a person who studies the Bible and applies what they learn will grow in Christ. Out of the overflow of studying the Bible and applying what they've learned will grow in Christ. Okay? Information without transformation turns into legalism. Excuse me, information without application turns into legalism, okay? And there's therefore no transformation, okay? I already gave away the, the punch, okay? But information plus application equals transformation, okay? And so information without application, legalistic, right? All the information, all the information, right? I'm, I'm set on the rules, right? This is, this is the way this is going to be, right? And so, and so no transformation happens there. But when we apply the Word of God to our lives, this profitable Word that is fit for training us in righteousness, we will grow in Christ, and that leads to transformation. And the Scriptures equip us for service. So these two words that we see here, complete and equipped, they're very important. That word complete means perfect, in fit shape, kind of like me, okay, in fit condition. It doesn't, again, it doesn't suggest sinless perfection, but implies being fitted for use, implies being fitted for use, that you're complete, you're ready to take on the task that God has placed in front of you. You're ready to take on the task that God has placed in front of you. And then equipped, you're ready for service. You have the tools that you need. And the Bible furnishes and equips us so that we can live a life for God and do the work that He calls us to do, that He wants us to do. And the better we know the Word of God, the better we're able to live and work for God. I talked about Joshua chapter 1 last week because it's one of the places where uh, it's, it's one of the promises that, 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 that I claim over my life on a regular basis. But I want us to look specifically tonight at verses 7 and 8 of Joshua chapter 1. This is where God is calling Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. You are now going to lead the Israelites. And we're going to pick up in verse 7 where God tells Joshua, Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left hand, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. When it comes to valuing the Scripture, when it comes to valuing the Scripture, I believe there's three things in here that God tells Joshua. We're going to take it right from the text. Three things that God tells Joshua that if we would grasp today will transform us, especially as we look at the Scriptures. Number one is this. 
Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. There's something powerful about verbalizing the Word of God. There's something powerful about verbalizing the Word of God. I mean, think about Jesus. Jesus in the wilderness being tempted by the devil himself three times, right? And every time, every time Jesus is tempted, he responds to the devil, it is written. It's written. Jesus modeled this. Jesus modeled claiming the scriptures in times of temptation for victory. And if Jesus needed to do that, let me ask you, church, how much more do we need to do that? Right? Verbalizing scripture over our lives is important. It's hugely important. It's hugely important. The Bible, we talked about last week, known as a sword, um, it's an offensive weapon that we have to fight the enemy with. That we have to fight the enemy with. So, how does this play out in our lives? I'm glad you asked. We're feeling lonely, defeated, condemned, so we start to speak out God's word. I'm a child of God. I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus, Romans 8. I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm no longer a slave, but an heir to God. I am beloved. I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. I'm seated in the heavenly places with Christ. I am God's workmanship created to produce good works. And so as these things come in our minds and, they, and they, they flood our minds and they discourage us, they tempt us, they defeat us, we start claiming the promises of God over our lives. In order to do that, we've got to be in the Word of God. We've got to be in the Word of God. Don't let this law depart from your mouth day and night. Paul tells the church at Colossae, Colossians 3, 16 and 17, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. I love that. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So not only are we called to claim the Bible and to speak out the Bible and to verbalize the Bible in our own lives, but we're called to do that as the body of Christ over each other. For the person across the aisle that's clearly defeated, for the person across the aisle that's hurting and struggling and, 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 and you know their pain, right? To claim the promises of God. To claim the promises of God. I had some dear friends yesterday, um, and, and you may think this is weird, and that's fine. Um, if you think this is the weirdest thing that I've done, then I think we'll be okay. Um, but but I, I had some friends that were really, really worried about my back, and, um, and so they texted me Friday, and they said, hey, uh, can, we, can we come over tomorrow? We just want to anoint you with oil and pray over you, right? Because it's scriptural, and uh, so um, they came to my house yesterday afternoon. We are like, decorating for a graduation party for my sister-in-law, because she just graduated nursing school at USM, and so, like, we got people hanging balloons and, like, doing all this stuff, and so we went to my home office, and they put oil on me and prayed over me, and as they were praying for about 15, 20 minutes, they're just claiming the promises of God over me, claiming the promises of God over me. And, and I got to tell you, I'm usually in the other position of that. But to be in a place where I could just sit and have the promises of God spoken over me, it was, it was awesome. It was just awesome. I can't describe the feeling to you. I can't describe the feeling to you. 
And it, it boosted me. It encouraged me, right? It encouraged me. It, it, even, if it, even if it didn't take the physical pain away, the, the thing that it did for my heart was powerful. Was powerful. Was powerful. And so Paul says, listen, this isn't just for you. But let the word of Christ dwell in you richly that you might speak it over each other as the body of Christ. That you might speak it over each other. Second thing he says, meditate on it day and night. Do not let the, 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 the word, do not let the word depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Now when we say meditate, this is what we mean. Think about it. Focus your mind on it. Ponder it. And as we think about God's Word and how it tells us to respond, something happens. Romans 12, 2, don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And if our minds start thinking differently, guess what? We start acting differently. Meditate on the Scriptures. Be so focused on the Scriptures. Ponder the scriptures as you go. Ponder the scriptures as you go. Meditate on it day and night. And then number three, so that, so that. See, God wasn't even, God wasn't even asking Joshua to run a half marathon for no reason. Right? But God says, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Don't let, the, don't let these words depart from your mouth. Meditate on them day and night so that, here's the why, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. See, too many of us know what to do, and we don't do it. It's like Nike, just do it. Too many of us know exactly what to do, and we don't do it. Right? Let me give you an example that, that, that many of us will understand. I'm fully confident that you've been on one of these sides of the coin, okay? My daughter, Bria, she just turned 13 Thursday. I now have a teenager. I think that's the reason for my back pain. <clears throat> and that lovely... Smart-ish, beautiful Bria Bush has this thing where she likes to leave her shoes on the stairs. Like not one stair and, and not a pair on the same stair, but just multiple pairs of shoes on, on all the stairs, <laughs> just scattered right? Just scattered among the stairs. Um, and, and I'm tall, in case you haven't noticed. I don't necessarily see all the things, and so I'm constantly tripping over these shoes as I go down the stairs. It's fun to watch. And I, remember, I, I, I was thinking about it this morning, and thinking about, I heard Kristen tell Bria five times yesterday, to take care of the shoes on the stairs. Now, here's the thing about this. Bria knows how to pick up shoes. She knows, this is not a task that she needs help with. 
right? This is not a science project. This is not a big math problem, right? This is, this is not some intent, intense uh, assignment that we've given her, right? We haven't even asked her to clean her room. It looks like a tornado went through it. But anyway, we're just asking her to pick up her shoes. She knows how to do that, and yet she never picked up the shoes. She walked by them time after time again, going up and down the stairs, and never picked them up. And so last night, as the loving father that I am, I was going down to tuck Bria in, and the shoes were still there, and I knew because I stepped on one of them, and it scared me to death. And so I went and got Bria out of her room, and I took her out to the stairwell. And I said, just in case you've forgotten, here's how we pick our shoes up. And I bent down, I picked one up, got it bent down, picked another one up. I said, okay, I want you to do the next pair, right? Show me that you can do this, right? And then I handed her the pair, right? And she went in, she put them in her closet, and we celebrated the victory. That was a win, right? God is not asking us to do something that we need a college education for. God is not asking us to do anything that is astronomically hard. All God is asking us to do is to get to know Him through His Word so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Because God has a plan for your life, He wants you to have the words of Him on your lips, on your mind, because He wants to accomplish something great in and through you that you're not capable of without His Word. That's not rocket science. That's not rocket science. And the beauty of the greatness and sovereignty of God is that it's different for each and every one of us. My call is not the same as yours. Your call is not the same as theirs. But God works through His Word with each and every one of us individually to accomplish the work that He has in store for us. And that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And we see this not once, not twice, not three times, but all throughout the narrative of Scripture. That is why Paul, as he's writing to Timothy, says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that you, the servant of Him, may be complete and equipped for everything that He places in front of you to do, even when you don't feel like it. No especially when you don't feel like it. That He has equipped you for the work that He has in store for you. Now, why is this important? What's missing? If it's so easy, if it's, if it's so self-explanatory, then what am I missing? And that's what I wrestled with all week with this message. And as I was praying yesterday, and I was thinking about one word in that verse, 2 Timothy 3.16, I was thinking about one word, and the word was righteousness. For training in righteousness. And God put on my heart something that Jesus said 
in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, the Beatitudes, the beginning of his Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Another why. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And my prayer for you tonight, my prayer for our church today, has been that God would ignite a hunger and a thirst for His Word like we have never had before. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. If we were to pull out our phones and each and every one of us search a bunch of churches in the U.S., right, maybe in the world, right, on their website, on their statement of faith, on their core values, right, probably at least 9 out of 10, if not more, probably 10 out of 10 would have, we value the Bible. We value the Bible. It's, it's true at Summit. Our core values, right? Passion for Jesus. Number two, knowledge of the Scriptures, right? Now, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but the last thing I ever want to be is phony. I don't ever want to be a phony. I don't ever want to speak something and not be able to back it up, right? I don't ever want to claim to be something and not be that, right? And I don't know about you, but I want to be a people that if someone comes off the streets, right, and they see on our core values that we value a knowledge and a relationship with God through His Word, I want to be a reflection of that, right? I want to be a reflection of that. I don't, I don't want people to ever accuse me or a church that I pastor of being passive when it comes to the Scriptures. I want to be a reflection as a summiter. And listen, I'm talking to our members right now. I want to be a reflection as a summiter, as a person at Summit Church that reflects a value, a deep value of the Word of God. That doesn't mean you've got to read 10 chapters a day. That doesn't mean you've got to read the Bible in a year. That doesn't mean anything. But it does mean that you're in relationship with God through His Word on a regular basis. Not just Sunday morning. Not just Sunday night. If you are relying on this message, on this preacher, for your weekly Bible study, we're both going to struggle. And, and, I, and, and so God just put this burden on my heart last night. That we ought to be a reflection of what we say we value. And I don't want to just put it out there as lip service, that we're a church that values the Word of God. I want our people to reflect it. And that's not your pastor slapping your hand. That's your pastor pleading that you get into God's Word and see the goodness that is available there, accessible there for you, for each and every one of us. And we've got options. I mean, there's a Bible study that meets every morning at 7.30 that Christy Tibbetts leads. I've got a Bible study Tuesdays at 10 a.m. We're walking through Philippians 
That's right. We're walking through Philippians right now. Right? We've got, we've got a, a small group that meets on Wednesday night. If you want something super deep and overwhelming, they're, they're walking through judges. Bless their hearts. Okay? We've got small groups that are meeting all over. Zan's got a small group. Zan's got a small group. Zan's probably one of the, one of the better guys that studies the Word of God in our church. Hands down. And, and, and we've got Bible studies. We've got people going through books on rest and, and, and all of that, right? But there's options. We've got people that meet together on Tuesdays at 4 o'clock at Panera Bread to talk about Jesus. We, I mean, there are options. There are options. Are you willing to be a reflection of the value of valuing God's Word? Are you willing to respond to that call and say, yeah, I'm going to be intentional about studying God's Word. I want to close with one more passage and three quick, quick, quick things for you. James chapter 1, 19 through 25 says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness or humility the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Receive with humility the implanted word which is able to save your souls. This word has the power to save your soul. So, I feel like I would be doing you a disservice. Right? Because, because if I'm listening, if I'm you, and I've never studied the Bible, been in a Bible study, nothing like that, right? I'm thinking, okay, that's great. I want to be a reflection of our values. I want to value God's Word. I want to do this. How? So I want to give you, I want to give you a way of studying the Bible. It's the way I started out years ago. It's actually how I used to write messages when I first started preaching. And I just, I, I want to share the three questions that I used to ask every time I would look at a passage of Scripture. Now, let me, let me preface this by saying there's probably a million ways out there that if you Googled Bible study tips, right, there's a million of them. There's so many acrostics that I've lost count. Soap, thirsty, hungry, like all kinds, I mean, all kinds of acrostics on how to approach the Word of God. But first, before you even get to the questions, the first thing you need to do is pray. God, as I open your Word today, show yourself to me. Speak to me. Speak to me through your Word. Show me where to go in Scripture. If you never started reading God's Word, if you're, if you're new to this, don't go to Judges. Okay? Probably avoid Numbers, Leviticus, Couple of Job might be one you want to wait a couple years for. Okay, all right. Um, I, I tell I tell people all the time start in John. 
Because if you've never, if you, you've never had experience with the Word, a lot of things in there are going to look familiar to you. And John's the storyteller, and a lot of people like that. And so I tell people, start in Mark or John. Mark, because it's the shortest, and so, but John, too. So anyway, story of Jesus, that sort of thing. But pray. Secondly, make a plan. If you were to start running a half marathon, right, right, you would need a training plan. You need a plan to get yourself ready. Studies show, Zanhigo, studies show that, that people who lay out their running shoes the night before are, are like astronomically more likely to run, right? And so if you set your shoes, if you're a runner in the evening when you get home from work, if you set your shoes by the door so that they're the first thing you see when you walk in the door, you're more apt to run, right? Why? Because you were intent about it. You made a plan for it, right? Much more likely to happen. So make a plan that tomorrow, right, at this time, I'm going to sit with the Word of God. I'm going to sit with the Word of God. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to read five verses, or I'm going to read ten verses, or I'm going to read a chapter, right? Make a plan, and then three questions. Read the text and ask yourself these three questions. It works best with a journal. What does the Bible say? What's it saying? So let's take all scriptures breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. The Bible's a good idea. Right? I mean, that's, that's, that's what that's saying, right? That the Bible, the Bible is profitable right, for these things, for these reasons. The Bible is profitable and for training, right? And, and, and so what's the Bible saying? Second question, what do I think it means? Not what does Spurgeon think it means, not what does Mark Harriman think it means, or Travis thinks it means, or, 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 or Matt Chandler, or Francis Chan, right, or, or Jenny Allen, or, or, or Lisa Turkhurst, or um, what's the... Um, I'm blanking, right? So, so not, not what anybody else thinks it says. What do I think it means? What do I think it means, right? What do I think it means? And then lastly, how can I apply this into my life? How can I apply this into my life? And then boom, there's the meditation, right? That's the thing you ponder. That's the thing you think on. That's the thing you focus on for the day. Right? How can I apply this to my life? Put away all filthiness. Slander. Gossip. That's in Colossians chapter 3. Right? So, so put, put, putting, putting off of those things, putting on the glory of God. Right? Compassion and all the things that Paul talks about in Colossians chapter 3 right before the text that we read tonight. Right? Ponder that. Meditate on that as you go throughout the day. May we be, may we be a people, and this is my prayer for this, may we be a people that reflect a value of the Scriptures to the people that we come in contact with. May the Bible not be a decorative piece in our living room that collects dust. May it be something that we value in our lives for a better way of life. The worship team is going to come. And I just want to spend a minute praying 
for that hunger and thirst for the Word of God that we talked about. So would you pray with me? God, I just pray tonight for each and every person in this room, God, that you would ignite a fire within us for your word. That you would ignite a passion in us, a hunger and a thirst for more of you, for more of you, for more of you. That we would not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and your word. God, through your word. And so God, I pray for, for all of us that we would accept nothing less, but that God, we would engage with your word in our lives. God, that we would not let the words of this book depart from our mouths. That we would meditate on it day and night so that we can be who you've created us and called us to be. So that we can be faithful to what's right in front of us. So that we can be faithful in the next conversation. So that we can be faithful in the next opportunity to serve. So that we can be faithful as we go. I pray these things in Jesus' name.